Hi, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we strive to live life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast to help you plug in at Quest, both in person and online. Now, let's dive into this week's teaching. Thanks, Dusty. Uh, good morning, Quest. How are you guys doing? Good. It's a good day. Well, we are um, wrapping up this series today, uh, Room to Breathe, and um, I left off last week with an exhortation of worshiping God uh, by celebrating the Sabbath. And and uh, I want to I want to just highlight something. When I got home, I received a couple of Facebook posts uh, that I felt captured the essence of what I talked about. And I don't know if you're friends with Amanda Huggins. Who's friends with Amanda Huggins on Facebook? Anybody? Yeah, okay, I'm going to call her out right now because it was awesome. I, I got this picture on my Facebook feed of, of her, um, you know, cooking a huge ham and having all this food everywhere with her family. And I was like, yes, someone got what I was talking about last week. It wasn't a complete waste, you know? And, um, and so I, I just want to say thank you guys for, um, for doing that, Amanda, especially because that was, I mean, good job. Great. Um, so I, I, now I know that what we talked about last week was a, a truly practical uh, type of thing, but um, I also know that I really didn't give you any true indication of how to live out what I was teaching on. So this week, that's what I hope to do. I hope to spend a lot of time really talking about the practicality of what it means to live a life with margin and how we can do some of those things uh, um, to do that. So um, I'm going to highlight one truth from last week before we begin that really encapsulates this understanding of margin. Uh, and, and that is as followers of Jesus, this is for me, this is, this is the most important thing that we can know that we can walk away with, that we can understand as followers of Jesus, we are accepted and loved by God. And there's nothing that we can do for him to accept us anymore. Like that, that is a profound thing that I, I have, um, I, I'm really just even now learning uh, what it, what that truly means, and, and I hope that you guys uh, truly get that too. And and uh, so, as far as God's love for us, it is complete, it's everlasting, and it's this gracious gift uh, that we receive. Grace grace is a funny concept to to talk about. It's you know, it's a favor of God that's on us that that we don't deserve, but but it's also so much more. Uh, in this series, as we've been talking about finding more room to breathe, um, there's, you know, like understanding what it means to, to have a time to relax, a time to, to step away from all of the pressure that not only surrounds us, uh, but also takes away our capacity to, to love and to, um, to, to experience life, uh, takes away time, growth, healing, creating, accomplishing joy, family, et cetera. All those things get stolen from us. When we, when we don't understand how to live with margin in our lives. When we get room for margin, then all of these things can flourish for us. And, and, and the way that we discover this margin is by understanding more about who Jesus is and, and, and how he wants to live. So grace becomes then this transformative thing that creates in us a new heart. You know, you know what it's like when you, when you look in the mirror 
and uh, you see something that, that you don't like or, or maybe you're just reflecting on you know, something that you've done and you're like, man, I wish I could change. And, and, and so what we, what we often do, I know I do this, is that I strive or I fight and I clamor uh, to change who I am so that I might be accepted by more people around me. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, well, grace helps us to see ourselves from the perspective of Jesus. And, and when we see ourselves through his eyes, we discover that we don't have to strive anymore. When, when we know that we are accepted by him, uh, and, and then we discover this confidence and this new identity that draws our attention away from those other things that have helped us to understand, you know, some kind of significance for us, but really failed all the time. See, we, we don't have to fight uh, to keep it all together anymore when we live with Christ and we live in Christ. Keeping it all together um, is not what gives us significance. It's ultimately Jesus who does that. And, and so when things fall apart around us, when our worlds crumble to pieces, um, if our world is simply focused on Jesus, then everything doesn't fall apart. Now, I understand that what I'm saying right now is, is a little bit trite. It's, it's overstated a lot of times, um, but it's just so true. And, and the grace of God does have the power to transform our lives so that we can experience a much fuller life. And so these things that we're talking about in this series, and if you haven't been here for the whole series, I encourage you maybe to go back through and listen to the whole Room Debris series. It's been a great time. Um, these things that we're talking about in terms of living more like Jesus and gaining freedom from margin, they're, they're, they're really things just to do that. They're, they're outward practices that reflect this inward truth. The inward truth that we love God and therefore we live a certain way. It's, it's not that we live a certain way so that God might love us. That's, that's a huge distinction that we've got to understand. We don't live a certain way so that God can love us. We you know, God loves us. And so therefore we do certain things. And, and this comes, this personally comes as a huge relief to me. And let me tell you why I would say, I, I think there's a spectrum in life, um, that we all live on that, that indicates our personal level of hustle. You guys know what hustle is, right? Okay. I'm going to call this, um, a hustler's continuum. Okay. I hope I don't get in trouble for that. This, this is the hustler's continuum here and it, it should have numbers on it, but I didn't want to put them up there. Um, anyway, so th- this, this indicates uh, a, a person's drive, okay? Some of us have a lot of drive, and we're going to be on, you know, the far right side, and some of us more like me, we belong a little bit more on the left. Um, I've always felt a little uneasy about the fact that some people have a lot of hustle and others don't, <clears throat> mostly because I think that I'm a person who really doesn't have a lot of hustle, um, in fact, if you put me on the spectrum, like I said, I'm going to be on the far left, probably about, you know, like three ticks up um, from the basement dwelling teenager who only has time for video games and Cheetos, you know, like, I don't want to come out, mom. I see a couple of them sitting back there. Yeah. Back road Joe's. No hustle, no drive. That's the pastor's son I'm talking about. Mm. Anyway, I've always been aware of my lack of hustle. This is true. Even as a child, the only thing that I would run for was like maybe a kiss from a girl, you know, on the playground or possibly if I heard the ice cream truck coming by and I'm like, ooh, bomb pop, you know, like that's the only reason I would ever run. Um, and, and, and I mean, you know, like I saw my friends on the playground and, uh, and I didn't understand it. Like they were just running everywhere, having a blast. And I'm like, 
what's the point? You know, I'm enjoying it. In gym class, I, I did not want to get picked first because it meant that I was going to have to perform, you know, even better. Oh, thank you. You know the way of my heart, Dusty. So sweet. Um, I, yeah, I didn't want to get picked first in gym class because then I'd have to do something awesome, you know, like to, to keep getting picked first. And, and, you know, I was happy when I got hit with the dodgeball because it meant that I would sit down and, and out like, oh, I could just watch, you know, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to do anything. In high school and college, they were filled with, you know, more people that hustled all around me. They're, they're like these blurs going past me and I'm just standing still. And, you know, and it, and it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't living a life that was, you know, trying to fill myself up like, oh, I'm just enjoying the nectar of life, taking it slow, wandering through the park. No, I was just lazy. And, and, um, and it's true, you know, I, I just didn't have a lot of drive, but, but I had this friend who was really the opposite of me. Okay. So he, he was energetic. He was kinetic. He was always on the move, uh, with things going on all the time. He had three jobs, friends everywhere, traveling around the globe. We worked at a couple of churches, uh, when I was together, when I was in college and seminary. And, uh, and I was always impressed by his ability to get stuff done. He was a hustler, okay? So on, on, on the spectrum, on the continuum, he's like up on the right side, like, you know, like challenging Donald Trump for the amount of hustle that, that um, he's got going on. Like, I'm going to be on every news channel I can, except for Fox. <laughs> Forget them. Anyway, I remember one day we were, we were talking and he's telling me the story about how he just like drove up to the Cincinnati Bengals, um, playing field and, and the team was practicing and he's like, oh, I want to go see the team practice when no one is around. And so he starts to walk, um, into the building and through all the concourse and, and down to the tunnel that takes him onto the field. And, um, he's just walking through and the stadium worker wanted to stop him. And, and so, but what he did was he was, he was talking on the phone at the time and he just kind of kept the phone up to his ear and then he stuck his finger up you know, in front of the stadium workers, you know, face and was like, Oh, I'm too important for you. And I got important people to see and important things to do. And he walked right past onto the field and was hanging out with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm thinking, man, I wish I could do stuff like that, but it's so hard to see the Bengals play and practice from my sofa. So I can't do it. I mean, I don't know. It's, so, um, you know, the, the, like, like hustle, some of us have it and others don't. I mean, it can be a gift or it can be a curse. But, but one thing is for sure, without appropriate margins and boundaries in our life, hustle can destroy all of that room that we have for margin, okay? And, um, and, and this is true on both sides of the spectrum. You know, like, like if, if we have a ton of hustle and we, we keep doing stuff and, and it just consumes us, you know, then we don't, we don't have time to rest. But, but if we're always stuck in that slow lane, you know, it, it's, it, you know, we're sloth-like, we, we tempt the possibility of destroying our margin as well. I mean, it's interesting to, to think, you know, time can fly by whether we're furiously working or whether we're just lounging on a sofa. Have you guys ever noticed this? You know, so... So the tension that we struggle with in terms of margin is learning how to say yes and no to the appropriate things in life and recognizing that our expectations may set us up for breakdowns in other areas of our lives. If we expect that busyness is what success looks like, then, then we're going to go after busyness, right? 
Or, or if we think that just slowing down is the answer to gaining margin, uh, then we're going to focus on slowing down. But, but that's not really what the heart of the matter is for us here. You know, those things are really just external manifestations of something that's going on internally. You know, for me, I, I was struggling with some kind of insecurity about being accepted for who I was. And, and, but I, I didn't really understand this truth that as followers of Jesus, we're already accepted for who we are. And so I was always striving for more, trying to get busy, trying to get busy and be like my friend who could, you know, hang out with the Cincinnati Bengals whenever he wanted to, jerk. Um, but what, what we're learning is that it's a process, though, of simplification that we all need to go through for us to get to the heart of knowing how to have healthy margin in our lives. I want to today um, use the Apostle Paul as an example for us, okay? And, and I think he, he's a guy who knows what hustle is. Um, he spent a lot of time doing a lot of great things in like two decades of following Jesus. He authored a significant portion of the New Testament. He planted churches all over Europe and Asia. Uh, he was in prison for his faith during that time, and he still managed to mentor young leaders who were going to grow the church. I mean, this dude had it going on. He was always going and going and going, but he had this perspective perspective about life and 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 his perspective demonstrates how to live with this singular focus that that unfolds into a life of contentment and when, when we put away all of our expectations when we step out of the need for things whether those things are possessions or people or things that fill our time being busy then you know, when, when, we, when we step out of need for those things, we can truly experience what it means to have more capacity in our life to love and to live life to the full the way God wants us to. And so I want us to, to focus on um, a particular passage of scripture that Paul wrote to his friends um, in the church of Philippi. And so we're going to be in the book of Philippians. And um, this, is, this is a really interesting text. It really is. It, uh, most of you will probably recognize it. Um, at least one verse you're going to like, oh yeah, I know that. It's been on every t-shirt that I've ever seen. But um, we're going to be in Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13. And uh, I, think, I think what Paul says here really speaks to us about what it means to live a life, not only relying on Christ, but also understanding that, man, like, if we can get this right, then margin will come easily to us. So read, read along with me, um, starting in verse 10. The words are on the screen, um, or of course, uh, you can read along in your Bibles. Philippians 4, verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I'm speaking of being in need, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I'm going to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Familiar verse right there. Let me, let me pray for us um, as we begin this morning. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we, we thank you for uh, the life that you give us. We thank you that, that um, we can come together and worship you and open your word and study more about what it means to be a follower of Christ. And, and, um, and we're thankful for that, God. We pray that you will be with us this morning. We know that you're here. We pray that we will just recognize your presence. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. Help us to learn what it means to be true followers of you. 
Help us to grow in that following, being a disciple of you, that we can learn what it means to live the life the way that you have called us to live, a life full and complete. God, we thank you for all that you give to us. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So, so this text, this text that we're reading is often, uh, misunderstood, especially in our culture, Western, you know, America. People, people often want this text in particular to mean that they can conquer any adversity that comes their way because of strength in Christ, right? You know, you guys have seen the t-shirts. You've heard people talk about it, particularly on sports fields. You know, like they're about, oh, I'm gonna, we gotta beat the Dallas Cowboys today. And, you know, we're gonna do it because God gives me strength. By the way, that's never gonna happen. Dallas Cowboys rule. It's God's team. I don't know. It's like enemy territory here. I shouldn't be saying that. We love the Steelers. Um, That's not even in here. I shouldn't say it. Um, So... It's like Ross goes on vacation. He just stands up and... Okay, so um, one, one of the resulting attitudes uh, about verse 13 in particular uh, with, you know, is, that, is that with Christ, people think that they're going to receive blessings in their lives, okay? And, and, and I mean, it kind of... I, I understand where this comes from, but, but really this, this isn't the full truth, okay? Um, in context, what Paul is saying in verse 13 is, hey, hardships just might come your way. You know, it may, you may live a difficult life or you might be filled up, you know, and, and, uh, and so, so just understand that the thrust of Paul's message is simply be content in whatever situation that you're in. If it's full, if it's abundant, be content there. If it's, if it's without, be content there. Be content, right? And, and, and so what Paul believes is that contentment is derived from one simple source, and that is trust. Trust in Jesus Christ. Trust in Christ brings us to a place where, where we don't rely on the external circumstances for us to feel contentment. Those, those who were reading this text in the church in Philippi, you know, this letter that Paul wrote to them, they would recognize two significant things as Paul is basically what they would do. Paul wrote this letter from prison and there would be a person who's reading it to the entire church. And as they're reading it, they would, they would hear this, you know, from his voice in this letter. So the first thing is that Paul is exceedingly thankful for the generosity of the church in Philippi. So this is, this is like the first church ever to be planted in Europe. Um, Paul was there to help do that. And, and the people were so grateful for Paul's ministry that they helped support him financially so that he can go and, and plant more churches. This is the primary reason for Paul's letter here uh, to the Philippians. So he wanted to thank them for their friendship first and then for their financial support. Now, Paul's language can sound a little bit confusing to our modern ears. In fact, if we, you know, when we read, um, you know, this verse, it says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. This is verse 11. You know, what we may hear is a, is a sentiment of ingratitude. I'm not saying this to you because I'm in need. You know, thank you for your gift, but I didn't really need it. That's not, that's not really what Paul's saying. Um, it sounds like that, but, but it's, it's, it's kind of like for us, what we hear, you know, that moment when you receive a gift uh, that you really don't want, you know, someone gives something to you and you don't want it. What do you do? Anybody know? What do you guys do? Don't you repeat the name of the gift? 
You know, it's kind of like, so think about it. Okay, so, um, you know, someone gives you something and, and you get it and you're like, oh, Hanes underwear. Hmm. Thank you. You know what I mean? Right. You, if you don't want the gift, that's what you do. You repeat the name of the gift because you don't know what else to say. You want to, you don't want to seem, you know, uh, un, you know, thankful for it or whatever, but, but you don't really know what to say. Oh, you know, I, I don't need six new pairs of underwear, even if they don't have that scratchy tag on the back. Uh, you know, like, oh, label maker. Thank you. You don't want a label maker. You don't want underwear. So you repeat the name of the gift. You're, you're really, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about? Is it just me? Am I the only one? Okay. All right. You've done it too. You know it. Well, ultimately, that's not what Paul is doing here. Okay? He is incredibly grateful for the gift that the Philippians have given to him. And what Paul is actually doing is he's creating a recognition that Christ is the one who provides everything that he needs. And this gift that they gave him is really an overflow of the blessing from his friends. Now, this is really oh, so significant for us. This is, this is a powerful moment in this letter. See, see what we learn here is, is that for Paul, the friendship that he has with the Philippians is significant. It's real. It's, it's, it's not about usefulness or anything like that, but it's about understanding who these people are, sharing life with them and loving them. You know, and, 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 and so, so Paul's not saying, thank you so much for the gift. I was able to use that, do all that. No, he's, he's genuinely thankful for their relationship. For Paul, Christ has given him everything he needs. And what Paul is saying is, I have abundantly more because of you and your friendship. I mean, that's powerful. And I think in terms of, of our church, if, if we live lives contently, um, uh, lives that are not driven by the need to get more, to accumulate, to establish status based on what, what we have, then what we do is we create more margin in our lives for the people around us. And, and I'm, I'm going to speak for myself here for a moment uh, so no one feels any condemnation because that's not what I'm trying to do uh, this morning. Um, but when I live my life driven by ex- the external realities around me, um, you know, which is a true problem for me sometimes, uh, be honest. Okay. Um, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm driven by my debt or any other kind of finances or, or my desire for, for people to like me and to accept me or, or, or trying to prove my success in terms of my education or my possessions, when, when I, when I live my life driven by those kinds of things, then I have to get my hustle on, right? You know, in order to feel worthy, I got to work really hard in order to keep accomplishing and keep doing and, and hope that people will accept me for all of those things. And, 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 and if I don't do it, then I don't feel worthy. And then ultimately when Sunday morning rolls around, um, and, and I come in, then I, I really don't have real margin for the people around me. You know, you know what I'm talking about? I'm exhausted because I've been hustling. And, and so when someone comes up to me with a need or a burden or they want to talk to me or they need prayer and I'm like, Oh, just one more thing. I can't do it. You know, uh, and, and because of whatever it is, emotionally or physically or mentally, I don't have a lot to give 
anymore. So honestly, if, if, we're, if we're driven by the external factors in our lives, then, then the people around us, let me, let me speak for me again, then the people that I know, they're really just a useful means of getting further in terms of position or status. And that is a terrible, terrible place for us to live. But, but if I live out of the internal perspective that Christ provides everything that I need, including acceptance, then the relationships around me transform. I walk into church on Sunday morning and I've got margin enough to hear what's going on in people's lives, to care about what's going on in people's lives. I have margin for the, the emotional and the spiritual and the physical and the financial needs that might be going on in other people's lives. And because of that margin, I'm able to address those needs. You see where I'm going with this? Does this make sense? Right? I mean, can you imagine what this kind of community of believers would be like if we all lived out of this kind of internal perspective? Every need in our church would be met. I mean, whoa. And, and I guarantee that, that, that we would be able to meet the needs of the people who are not just only in our faith community, but also outside of the walls of our church, which is exactly how we should be living. I mean, can you imagine what that would be like? You know, I, I know some of us, some of us here have this, this perspective and I'm, I'm learning so much from, from you guys. And I mean, honestly, this is the reason that we have Quest Care. Do you guys know what Quest Care is? It's an amazing ministry where, where we're able to bless people out of the abundance that we have. Not just financially, but I mean, it's, it's, it's like, you know, like people come to us with needs or people are referred to us with needs and we're able to say, yeah, we can help you because we've created margin in our lives in order to bless others. Man, it's amazing. And, and, and it, for me, if you want to know what my prayer is ultimately for our church, for Quest Community Church, it's this, that, that, that we would all be people who trust that Jesus accepts us for who we are and therefore we don't have to strive, but instead we can be an abundant blessing to the people around us. And it's interesting because this is exactly what Paul is doing here in this letter. I mean, Paul knows that the Philippian church is about to face some significant hardships. So, so secondly, this is what this letter is for. Um, it, it was to encourage them because he knew that they were likely to experience significant persecution. I mean, this is a church that's located um, in a Roman colony, Macedonia, and, and, and they have a ruler that wants to be deified. He wants to be God, right? And, and so faith in Jesus for these Christians means that, that, that they are going to have to either, you know, risk death, risk torture, risk imprisonment, risk all the, face suffering. It means that faith has to be their full identity. And, and, and that if they identify with Christ as their Lord, that means that they can't identify as Caesar as their Lord. This is almost treasonous kind of stuff. And Paul wants to encourage them. He wants to encourage them to be faithful. See, without an identity in Christ, then a, then a person will capitulate and they'll renounce their allegiance to, to Christ. And, and so um, then ultimately, where does satisfaction and contentment come from? Ultimately, it's from Christ alone because it's the only thing that we really have. And otherwise, you know, why not bow to another idol? And this is what Paul is really trying to preach to them. It's, it's, he's preaching this message of simplicity, a life of simplicity that, that looks like this. A person who's not dependent on the things of the world to bring them significance. It's not in the abundance nor in the scarcity that we find contentment, 
but in Christ alone. And so here we see Paul in a Roman prison writing about happiness, joy, and contentment that comes from something other than what we have or don't have. It's about ultimately our relationship with Christ. Whatever state I'm in, I am content, Paul writes in chapter 4, verse 11. And with contentment comes margin, and Paul has this margin in prison then to care for his friends in Philippi. I mean, think about that for a minute. Paul's in prison. Who knows what he's experiencing there? And he is he has enough margin in his life to be concerned for them, to write them a letter, to encourage them, to bless them, to thank them. Now, in my life, when it comes to contentment, um, I think I understand this principle uh, because of my motorcycle. Yeah, it's true. Okay, so I have a small bike. Um, it's like only 600 cc's um, for Anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, it's, it's small. Most bikes are like twice that size. Most of my friends who have a motorcycle, it's twice that size. It goes twice as fast, and they can, they can ride it twice as far. Um, this is true. And, and, and honestly, I don't feel very content with my bike. I'm, you know, I'm dissatisfied with it. I want a bigger bike. I want a faster bike. I want a bike that I can drive farther. And I kind of want one that says Harley Davidson on the side, okay? And, um, I mean, you know, who's that? Oh, yeah, okay. Whew. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and honestly, why is that? Why do, why do we want that? Why? Why do I want that? Because it's a status thing. It's, it's, you know, when I pull up to a stoplight or in a gas station and there's another bike near me, and if that person has a Harley, uh, then they, they look down their nose at me. That's right. TD. Look down your nose. You know, I just, I just want to be a part of their club, but, but I don't have what it takes. I don't have the Harley. So, so they drive down the road. This is true. Um, Harley riders drive down the road and, and they wave at each other, but they won't even lift a finger, uh, to say hi to me. I mean, Harley, Harley riders, any, who else is a Harley rider in here? Raise your hands. That's okay. Yeah. You guys have like special waves for each other. And yeah, there it is. You know, I can't do it. I'm not on a Harley. You're like, put that down. You're like, pull around and beat me up. You're not a Harley rider. This, this is true. I'm serious. So Harley riders, they, they have a special, oh, special way for each other. And, 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 and so then what do I do? I'm not a part of their club. And so I create my own club. It's a small bikes club and it's better than one other type of rider. You know, I, I just, I, I ride down the road and I see a guy on a scooter and I'm like, oh, I'm not waving to you. This is true. You know, like at least I don't have a Vespa. <laughs> Those guys, you know, they're like trying to be Italian men, you know, somewhere else. They, they leave everywhere and they're like, ciao. <laughs> At least that's not me. I don't know. But here's the problem. See, see, I want more. I want a bigger, faster motorcycle. I'm, I'm not content. And, and so a couple of things happen. I strive um, and I hustle to get that bigger, better thing. And I feel dissatisfied. This is, this is key. I feel dissatisfied with, the, with what I have. And I don't enjoy, I don't fully enjoy the rides that I have on my bike right now because I'm a little embarrassed of, of how big it is. You know, and I think, man, if I only had that, you know, then I would be happy. John D. Rockefeller once um, asked, was asked how much money it would take to really be satisfied, and he responded, just a little bit more. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, and that's the problem. It always takes a little more, and contentment remains just out of reach for us. But, but it seems that Paul has found this key to be content in any circumstance. In any circumstance. Contentment, it ultimately leads to this life of margin, and, 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 and it's margin enough to bless other people around us. So 
this morning, I want to, I just want to ask you the question, what about you? You know, do you have desire for more? Can you identify that, that longing for something better that you think is going to give you that final satisfaction that you want? You know, maybe, maybe it's a, a bigger house or a better neighborhood or a street glide instead of your sportster. I don't know. I'm just whatever. You know, maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah. um, maybe, sorry. Uh, we'll, we'll pray together after the service. I mean, you can heal. I can ask for forgiveness. Maybe though, maybe, 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 maybe you want a nicer car or a boat or, or, and you know, maybe, maybe you want your kids to go to a certain school or to be the best behaved or the smartest in their class. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you feel like you're on top. Like you're, you know, that guy that I'm sad to say this now that's on the Harley Davidson who just looks down their nose at the people around them and, and only wave to their friends. You know, you found your niche and, and you're satisfied. But what happens, what happens when the world takes a turn for the worse, when tragedy strikes, you know, what then? Being content in all situations is not contingent on the circumstances that you're in, but the fact that you have a foundation in Jesus Christ. And this is what simplicity is. It's simply trusting that Jesus is the one who gives us strength. This internal perspective, it shapes our external actions. When we believe that, that Jesus provides all that we need, then we can live a life of simplicity. A life of simplicity unfolds then to give us significantly more margin. And more margin means that we can be an abundant blessing to the people around us. So, I want to challenge you guys um, in a couple of ways as we wrap up this series. And, and, and I hope that this challenge will, will serve a, at least two functions for us. Uh, one, I think it'll provide a litmus test to see where our contentment actually comes from. And two, I think it, it will significantly increase the amount of margin in our lives. So my hope is that, you know, if, if we practice some of these things as a congregation, then we will increase our capacity as image bearers of Christ to the people around us. So I'm going to break these ideas down into two categories. And, and my suggestion is to consider implementing just one from each category in our life right now and then maybe add a few more later. So you may want to write these down on, the, on your bulletin in the back. Uh, the hope is that if we do these external things, then we will see a shift in our internal practice and in our internal perspective. Um, so the, the first the first category um, I'm going to call simply spiritual, and uh, there's three options to choose from. And, and the first the first is really what we talked about last week. It's it's about Sabbath. It's about creating space in our weekly calendar for for solitude. It's a time alone with God in which you recognize that there's more to life than just the phys- than what the physical world um, has to offer us. And um, I, I, the the reason I put it up here is um, is because I think learning to protect this time from the hustle of life, from all the work, the emails, and the production that we're supposed to do, all of those things good, um, learning to protect Sabbath from them is, is such a valuable and important lesson, to keep it consistent. In fact, I would even suggest that when you are um, practicing your Sabbath time, if, if part of that consists of, of reading scripture or, or doing something that, something like that, I, I, would, I would suggest that you not even use your phone as your source of your scripture. How many of you, you know, access your, 
um, Bible on your phone, right? It's great. Technology is wonderful. But here's the problem. When, when we do that and a text comes in or a reminder pops up or an email comes through, then we get distracted. And so I, I just want to encourage you that like in these times when we're, when we're protecting, um, that Sabbath time, that solitude time, that we, we go to the 20th century paper Bible and we use it, right? That's pretty cool. I like it. I like mine. You can highlight it, write it, whatever. Okay. So that's the first thing. The second, um, is about anxiety. When you experience anxiety about your position in life, your finances, your possessions, this one's simple. Ask the Lord to take those worries away from you. Cast your anxiety, cast your burdens up to God. Get into the habit of seeking him first when worry comes your way. We've already talked about this in a previous series. And, and if you want to, if you want to hear more about this, then I encourage you to, um, to go back to our series called the Christian disconnect. We did a whole sermon just on worry and, and what, what God, how God wants us to live in there. And I just encourage you to listen to that. But it's such a, such an amazing thing when, when we learn that God will take care of all of the things that we possess. Like he is concerned for our anxiety. He is concerned for our worry and we can lift those things to him and he will help us through those worries. Finally, I want to ask you to consider fasting. Whew. Um, when we abstain from fulfilling our appetites, be it hunger or thirst, uh, or even our physical appetites such as social media, huh, we learn how to be fulfilled in another way. Fasting is just a powerful discipline for us um, to help us understand that our true fulfillment, our true satisfaction, our true contentment comes in Christ alone. So I, I would encourage you to, to try that. Now, let me go into the second category real fast. And I call this one um, simply practical. And this is a deeply practical method of learning to live simply and finding our significance in Christ alone. The first, the first is to, um, to budget and track your spending, to see where your money actually goes. And, and, and I mean, like if we can see that and really see it on paper, then it becomes so enlightening to us. We see where our, our true desires actually are. Like how much money do I spend here and here and here. And, and the encouragement that I have for you is to begin to prioritize your spending based on your relationship with Christ. And then ultimately to even to say that, that maybe you should begin to, to leverage your resources for kingdom purposes, kingdom purpose, whatever that looks like. How, how can we expand the kingdom of God using the resources that we have? Okay. I know that one hits kind of hard for me too. Second strategy um, is to buy things for their usefulness rather than their status. Okay, and and for me this becomes a huge gut check. Um, you know, you know, asking myself the question: Am I really buying this um, because it's the wisest option for me, or or because I feel that it's gonna um, that I'm gonna feel better about myself if I have this or I drive this Harley, you know? And so, so often like I, I find myself stuck in the status game with the people around me, even if they don't know that they're playing with me, you know, they are. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I, I keep thinking, you know, man, I just, I want to up my status, you know, and I think a nice car is going to do it or a house or, you know, whatever. And, and, you know, something, these things are going to make me look better. And, and I find myself worrying about this, um, 
Recently, this came into my life. I think this is why I'm stuck here, because my 20-year high school reunion is coming up, and I know that, um, like, all of my friends who I graduated with are on Facebook, you know, looking at at everyone's life, you know, stalking each other, like, ooh, let's see how successful they are. What do their kids look like? What are the car do they drive? What house do they have? And so I'm, like, deleting pictures from my Facebook, you know, ones where I look really fat, and I'm like, oh, no, I don't want them to see that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to only have these interesting photos um, online, you know, they show me and I'm at the beach here. <laughs> What's the point of that? You know, we have to rid ourselves of this kind of thinking, um, of, of, you know, status over what's the wisest because it's unhealthy and it drives us to these places where we lose margin in our lives because we're consumed with the hustle. And the final thing, um, is to develop a habit of giving things away to declutter you know, it sounds so wonderful too. declutter our life, asking ourselves if we really need these things, you know, that, that we have, you know, we've got a closet full of clothes that we haven't worn in a year. Let's get rid of them. You know, we, we've got, we've got, you know, three cars instead of, um, the two that we actually need. So maybe we should get rid of one. We, I don't know. I'm, I gotta be careful cause I'm going to get in trouble. Um, have to give stuff away that I don't want to, but the key is, is that, that we're learning to not allow our possessions to own us, right? To not, to not serve our possessions, but rather to, to, to be surrendered to Christ only. You know, what, what we're learning to do is to say yeses and nos um, out of this divine center that we have. This is, Thomas Kelly talks about this. It's a place where we make our decisions based on, a, on the single priority of God, learning how to have contentedness, satisfaction from God in the way that Paul describes here in Philippians. And, and it's a lifelong process for us to learn. But it's an endeavor that, that's worth moving toward. Um, Thomas Kelly suggests that this divine centeredness spares us the struggle of living an unhappy and uneasy, a strained, oppressed, and fearful life. He says that, that, that there's a way of life that's vastly richer and deeper than the hurried existence. A life of unhurried serenity and peace and power. Isn't that what we're looking for? Isn't that what we want in this relationship with Christ. We're finding room to breathe in this life means that what we find at the center of our lives is the person of Christ. And all other things are just that, things. You know, we have to, we have the choice to let them control us or to allow them to be a part of the superfluous blessing that God has for us. And so as we uh, leave this season of summer behind us, thankfully summer's over. I'm sweating up here because it's so hot. And we, we embark on the fall with all of the new things that it brings, you know, maybe like, like learning in this new season to let, let our, our focus be kept on the one who can most assuredly, um, keep us safe, that one that we can trust in the most, to let Christ be our one desire and our true identity. And if we can do that, then, then we'll notice a significant indifference to status or to possessions. You know, with indifference to those things comes freedom. And there's no more hustle, just contentedness. That's what we're longing for. Let me, let me pray for us and, and we'll worship our creator. Well, God, we do pray that we would have a center in our lives. And that center would be your son, Jesus Christ. That we would, we would know that we can trust in him, that, that he has paid the price for us and we don't have to strive or worry anymore, but we're accepted because of him. And from that, we can live our external lives with, with 
not worrying about how, uh, how much status we have or what we own, but instead trusting that those things are just a blessing to us. That we can be content when we have and when we don't have. That we can trust that you'll provide for us the way that we need provision. So God, we, we thank you for this. We trust in you for this. Let us be people who live out of the divine center who live satisfied lives, satisfied by you, Christ. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I invite you to to worship with us as we close out this day. I'm going to have the ushers come forward. We're going to receive our, our tithes and offerings now. And, and um, uh, I, you know, it's, it's such a blessing to, to be able to worship with you guys. And, and so um, at, let me just pray for our... Oh, let me, let me remind you. Uh, if you are new to Quest or um, are needing some prayer requests, I encourage you to, to drop your Connect card into the offering basket as it goes by now. We'll be praying for uh, all the things of the church tomorrow morning in our staff meeting. So uh, this is a great time to drop it. If this is your first time to Quest... Uh, Keep that Connect card and take it to the cafe on your way out and grab a a drink um, on us. Let me just pray for our offering. Lord, we thank you for uh, how you give to us. And so um, we we hand it back to you now. Thank you for your provision. um, And uh, we want to give out of the margin that we have in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for what you do to us, for us, how you accept us. And uh, and we are just so um, grateful for for all of that, Lord. So we give back to you. Um, be glorified with our offering now, we pray in your name. Amen. Uh, and I do want to say that um, if you came this morning and you um, feel like you don't have that margin or or you need to, to, to receive prayer or a blessing or something like that, I want to encourage you to stay. Maybe come down front. We'll have some folks who will um, pray with you here because that's really what this is all about. We, we seek for margin in our lives so that we can pour out to the people around us, so that we can bless them, so that we can lift them up and encourage them. So if you need some of that or if you want to bless someone else, I encourage you to come on down front and pray as we continue to, to worship now. Thank you, church. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you are loving Quest podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at gotoquest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org.